Good morning. Hey, I hope you're as excited as I am about our series in the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor John gave us a great message about what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And just to recap that briefly before we get into our message this morning, which is filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized by the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with physical baptism that we do in that little area there. Being baptized by the Holy Spirit means that at the point of salvation, when you give your life to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive your sins through his precious shed blood, his death and resurrection, you are immediately baptized by the Holy Spirit. That means that he comes into you, he takes you out of the world, and by his power, he places you into what we call the body of Christ, the church universal. He places you from the world into Christ. That is a one-time thing that happens when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. John pointed out, Pastor John pointed out, it's not like the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit came upon people and left, came upon people and left, and endued them, imbued them to do certain things. It's a little different than that. So today, what do we want to talk about? The filling of the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit at the time of faith, You were full of the Holy Spirit. You were given all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get. There was no more coming. There was no second baptism. There was no second blessing. You were given all of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, what we mean is that as a Christian, as a born-again believer, you engage the Holy Spirit and you live your life for Christ each and every day through obedience. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit controls your life to the fullest degree. And when you don't walk by the light of the Lord, by the commands of his word, by the beauty of his grace, the Holy Spirit's power in you is diminished. So you can be full, or you can be half full, or you can be empty, but we want you to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want you to walk in obedience to Jesus Christ and by that, causing you to be full of the power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Remember, the power of this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, I may say it in regards to the Holy Spirit person's power. I may see it, I may say it, but I'm only referring to the power of the Holy Spirit. So forgive me if I use the word it, but it is only in conjunction with the person's power. So before we get into our message today, and I'm excited about it, I hope you are too, why don't we go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you have saved us. We thank you that you have come to us in this world of sin. We thank you that through Jesus Christ, your son, who lived a perfect life, we are able to have salvation. We are able to have eternal abiding with you and eternal existence in your house, in your place Father, we thank you that through his shed blood, the shed blood of your son, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, we too will be made anew, made afresh. We will be totally regenerated, Lord, and we will see you face to face. Be with us this morning as we talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, so... I'm inquisitive. I'm an inquisitive person. I like to ask a lot of questions when I preach, when I prepare a sermon. So the first question I had for myself 
was when we say that the Holy Spirit lives in you, what do we mean by that? What do we mean that the Holy Spirit lives in you? If I was to go over here to Brother Gabe and say, Brother Gabe, show me where the Holy Spirit lives in you. Would Brother Gabe open his mouth and say, John, put a scope down here and look into my belly and there you will see the Holy Spirit. I don't think so. Though I'd like to try it, Gabe. Now, would Natalie say, Brother John, what you have to do is you have to do a a CAT scan of my body and it slices it up into those neat little slices, those cross-sectional pictures of my body. And when you do that, Brother John, you're going to see in my liver area and H&S, that is where the Holy Spirit lives. Obviously, right? Isn't that what we mean? That he comes to live in our bodies physically. I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't sound right to any of us, does it? But what then does it mean that the Holy Spirit lives in you? I don't know is a short answer, but let's try to pretend I know what it is. Nicodemus and Jesus, the famous interaction. Nicodemus said to him, Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, And the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. The flesh, we are the flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone, church, who is born of the Spirit. I love this illustration, used it many times before. It's a cool spring evening and you're sitting out on your deck. You're just having a pleasant evening and all of a sudden a wind rushes through the backyard and you see the leaves of the big oak trees swaying back and forth or whatever tree is in your yard and you see the wind just moving the leaves of the trees. You don't know where that wind's coming from. You don't know where that wind's going to, but you see the power of the invisible wind as it moves the trees, don't you? Well, the Holy Spirit is a little bit of a mystery as he dwells in us. We feel the power, but we don't know exactly where he lives, but we trust the Lord enough to know that he dwells in us somehow, somewhere, in a very powerful way that can move the leaves of our spirit. Romans, Paul says this. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now listen, before we were believers, we were nothing but flesh. We were a body. We had a soul, and that soul was destined for hell, but we were not spiritual in a Godward direction. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
This clears it up just a little bit for me. In my body of flesh, when I became a believer in Jesus Christ, my spirit became alive. God quickened my spirit. He gave it life. He made it alive. He made it what it wasn't before, before it was dead. My soul was housed in a body of flesh and there was no spirit that connected to God. But now there is a connection with God. And that connection is through the Holy Spirit who has entered my spirit and says, now, now, John, you can communicate with God because his spirit dwells in you. I know that doesn't answer the question to our satisfaction, but let me, let me, what I had to think about was the Old Testament. You know the temple. You know you have the outer courts and you have the inner courts and then you have the, what do you have in the center of the temple? The holy of holies. The outer courts are not pure. The inner courts are not pure. The courts of the Gentiles are not pure. The courts of the women are not pure. The courts of the men are not pure. It's only the holy of holies in the center of the temple where God can let his presence rest. That's the only place in the temple. What is our body, church? It is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God. So what I propose to you this morning is what the Bible's trying to communicate to us is that in this fleshly body, our temple, which is not totally renewed yet, there is a place where the Holy of Holies can rest. There's a place that was cleaned out by our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a place that was hollowed out of sin, that was hollowed out of anything that would prevent God from taking up residence in us. And in that place, whether it be the spirit, whether it be the mind, whether we call it the heart, somewhere God resides in you because he has cleansed you of sin. Now, Pastor John next week is going to get into a little bit about these flesh and spirit battle. Yes, God resides in us, but we are still fleshly creatures. One day we will receive our new bodies in heaven, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when the old is done away with. But while we're in this world, there is this battle between the flesh and the spirit. But praise God that the holy of holies resides in you and me. Praise God for that. Here's where I get maybe a little different than what you've heard about why we have the Holy Spirit. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay being a little different. Just ask anybody who knows me for any period of time. Sometimes people use the word odd, but that's okay, Josh. I don't mind. All right. So if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, now this is the apostle Paul talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember, in the New Testament early church, there were sign gifts, tongues, raising the dead, letting the blind see, prophetic utterances of the future. These sign gifts were for a short time in the book of Acts. Why? So the people would know that new revelation from God was being given 
You don't just add new revelation to your holy scriptures, the Old Testament, without some sign from God that this is to take place. Hebrews tells us that this was for a time and it was done away with, but that is what Paul is dealing with here. The people in Corinth who he's writing to, they wanted to show that they had all these extravagant, powerful, mystical gifts of the Holy Spirit. They wanted to show that they were strong in the spirit, that they were bold Christians and better Christians than anyone else because they had the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. This is an incredibly important point. Paul is saying the power of the Holy Spirit is not in miraculous sign gifts. The power of the Holy Spirit is to make in you a heart that is in tune and geared toward love. If you don't have love, you are a resounding gong. You are useless. You are worthless. Even if you speak with the eloquent tongue of angels, which by the way, I only know them to speak earthly languages, you are not special because the Holy Spirit wants to make you someone who seeks the gift of love. Well, prove that to me, John. Prove that to me. To me, not Timmy. All right. For what purpose does the Holy Spirit fill us? My proposal to you this morning is that it is so we obey God, and here's how we do it. Teacher, they said to Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Woe, all on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Jesus Christ tells us that if you want to be obedient to God, you will adhere to the two greatest commandments. And those two greatest commandments at their root have love. Love for God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love for one another. That, church, is what God wants us to obey. And if being filled with the Spirit is done through obedience, these are the two things that we need to make our primary goals if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not speaking in tongues, it's not raising the dead, it's not healing the blind, it's not telling the future, it's learning to love and fulfilling the two greatest commandments that Jesus Christ, God, ever gave us. Prove it to me. All right. This is why the Holy Spirit is filling you so that you can love like God loved. 
Paul says in Ephesians, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so you will be given power in your inmost being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God." Case closed, church. If we are seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the representative who points to no one but Jesus Christ himself, we are seeking to be filled up with the love of God and the love of our neighbors. That is our goal. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit means. Romans. Paul says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. How can we make it any clearer? Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into that area of us that we don't really know how it exists, our spirit, our mind, our heart, but God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us because the love of God has been poured out into you and me. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. If you are not loving God and loving your neighbor, you are quenching the Spirit. But John, that's hard. I just like to read books about God. Read your books about God. But if you don't do what this book says, then you're not pleasing God. But John, I don't want to forgive people. They hurt me. Yeah, everybody gets hurt. And some people get hurt behind the point of reconciling. Don't get me wrong. But some people can be forgiven if you're operating in the realm of the Holy Spirit. If you understand how much you have been forgiven, sometimes you can forgive more a greater understanding of what you have been allowed to experience, the grace of God, the love of God, should be able to pour out from you as you take charge of your life and let the Holy Spirit work through you as you step aside and say, my needs and wants are secondary. Holy Spirit, lead where you will lead in love and I will follow. I will turn my cheek when I'm struck on one side. John, the great author of things concerning love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's made whole, it's made complete. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit, church, 
It's all about love. His love was poured out through his spirit into us so that we could love one another. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. I look at my own life and I look at the lack of love that I demonstrate sometimes, even to those who are the closest to me. I think sometimes I don't have the power to do what I need to do, to lay down my life for others. I think sometimes, Lord, I'm a failure. I think sometimes I don't need to forgive anybody. Just leave me alone. Let me live my life. But church, if the Holy Spirit truly dwells in me and in you, there is a gnawing at your spirit that says, that's no life for you. That's no life for you to live in hatred, to live in resentment, to live in envy, to live in greed. That's no life for you as a child of mine. If you truly abide in me and I in you and you want to live by the power of the Spirit, then follow the two greatest commandments that God has ever given us. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we remain filled with the Holy Spirit? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The spirit of truth is given to you, the believer, at the time of faith. The spirit of truth is given to you. The Holy Spirit is giving to you whom the world cannot receive. So you have God taking up residence in you and the world cannot have that. The world does not have that because it does not see him or know him, but you have seen him and you know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And it is a gift it is a gift that you have been given that no one who is an unbeliever can have. No one who is an unbeliever has the power that you have. What power has the Holy Spirit granted us to live lives of love? These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that's Jesus talking, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, a little aside, I don't know if you know this, but the Gospels were written decades after Jesus died. So many, many years after Jesus died, the Gospels were written. A lot of our atheist friends will tell us, well, John, you can't expect us to think that the Gospels are accurate because who could remember something that had happened decades ago? And I lead them to this verse. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance 
all that I said. The apostles, the writers of the gospels, the disciples were operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and they remembered in detail all that he said and they wrote it down. So it wasn't a a phone, pass the message down the aisle type of thing. It was a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, the same helper that has been given to you and I and he will bring all things to our remembrance. But what does that mean, church? That means you have to be in the word of God. Read, you want to read about the beauty of the word of God? Read Psalm 119 with your family. Read Psalm 119 in your, in your devotions. The beauty of the word of God. The Holy Spirit, when you're engaging in this world, will bring the word that you've studied to your mind. And he will bring the importance of that word to whatever situation you find yourself. He will bring the word that you've invested yourself in. He promises that he will bring that to you. He will teach you the word of God. But you have to be in it in order to hear him teach you about it. I would have preached this message totally different when I was a younger pastor than I do today. Why? because I was still and I listened to what the Holy Spirit had to teach me this time. Be in the word, study the word, and the power of the Holy Spirit who wants you to love God and love your neighbors more will bring the word to your remembrance when you're facing difficult situations. What other power do we have? But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. The unbeliever again, he does not accept, she does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. The unbelieving person does not accept God. For they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. The things of God, what God cares about, the world doesn't care about, love, forgiveness, hope, glory, they don't care about because they don't see through the lens of God like you do through the spirit of God. They cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised, but he who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. I've taught on this before, and may I never stop teaching this beautiful series of words, but we have the mind of Christ. That's a power the Holy Spirit gives us. I got new glasses this week. I used to only use readers, so I'd be swiping them on and off constantly, irritating you, irritating everybody, irritating the world, and they would swipe past my microphone in here. But I got new readers this week. I mean, not new readers. I have real glasses, prescription glasses. They're progressive, so they're really hard to deal with. You know, you can be blurry. You can be sure you can be blurry. I don't know. It depends on where my head is. I don't know. But why do I have the glasses? So that I can see clearly. Why do we have the Holy Spirit? So we can see clearly the world as it is. God as he is. Love as it's meant to be. We, through the Holy Spirit, have the mind of Christ. We are able to understand things through the lens of Jesus Christ. That is a power no one else has but you. Put on your glasses 
and keep them on. Let me rephrase that. Glasses have been put on you already. Keep them on. Look at things through the filter of Jesus Christ. But he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth, Jesus said. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. To do what? To be my witnesses here and around the world. When I first received the Holy Spirit, and you've heard this probably from so many preachers and probably yourself looking in the mirror, when I first received the power of the Holy Spirit, when I became a born-again believer at the age of 16 years old, I was on fire about witnessing. You could not stop me from telling my family, my friends, everybody about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was burning fire in my spirit because he gave me that power when he came upon me, that power of boldness. I didn't have the right words. I didn't have the scripture memorized yet. But I didn't care because it wasn't about me and my eloquence. I didn't have the eloquence of angels. I didn't have the eloquence of Shakespeare and sharing the gospel. All I had was the simple truth that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And if you want to spend eternity with God in heaven, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to let him forgive your sins because the only one that can do it. And there's not one work you can do to achieve heaven. That's all I needed to say. That's the message I needed to have. That's the message you have. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. It matters who is in you, who gives you the power, the boldness to say, I don't care if somebody thinks I'm a fool for preaching the gospel. The gospel is true and I believe it. Therefore, in a sinful world, I will tell it to people who are dying. I will pull them out from in front of the bus that's about to hit them. I will do it because the Holy Spirit abides in me and I'm tired of quenching his power. Now, you want miracles? I was saved under Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. Some of you may know that. Brother Swaggart is a Pentecostal. I was saved by watching one of his camp meetings, and I gave my life to the Lord in, the parents, in my parents' basement in their house. Of course, I was 16. I still live with my parents. I lived in the basement, and I gave my life to the Lord watching one of Brother Swaggart's camp meetings. But at the end of the television show where I gave my Lord, my, my, my spirit, my body, I gave my Lord everything. The announcer said, tune in next week for a message on how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and receive the Spirit. I said, next week, what? What, didn't I receive the Spirit when I believe this week? No, hang on, next week, we'll tell you how to be filled with the Spirit. Now, for those of you who don't know, and I'm very familiar with it because I was entrapped by the teaching, Brother Swaggart said, you're not filled or don't have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. I was misguided. I was fooled. I tried to speak in tongues. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. But I've learned a lot since then. I have correct doctrine now. 
I received the Holy Spirit when I gave my life to the Lord. And I don't seek impressive, miraculous gifts. I seek to love God and to love you more and more each day. That is the miraculous thing that God wants me to do. But I say all that to say to you that God still does miracles. By saying that there were sign gifts so that the canon of Scripture could be validated and that Jesus Christ's ministry could be validated, it's absolutely true. But I want you to know that the power, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit still exists to this day, and you know it because he's done something supernatural in probably each one of your lives after salvation, which was the most supernatural act that you ever had in your life. John, what do you mean by that? You've probably all heard of a place called Papua New Guinea, where there's dozens and dozens and dozens of different languages of all these people groups. I know of a missionary who went there and was given the power, I I know of a a missionary who went there and was given the power to speak in the tongue of a tribe that he never met before. That was God doing something for his purpose, not to show off, not to say I'm better than anybody else, but because I'm God and I can do miracles, he gave the power to that missionary. There's a deacon here at this church who God miraculously healed of cancer. It wasn't diagnosed with cancer, treated better. It was miraculously healed. This brother had cancer almost from head to toe, and he was healed. God does miracles on his time by his power, not by my hand, perhaps by my prayers and your prayers, but God still does powerful, supernatural things to those who are filled with the Spirit and who walk with him. Remember with me, if you will, something supernatural that God did in your life. And I hope that it wasn't decades ago. I hope that he still works supernaturally in your life today. I hope that he does. Because, man, that keeps me going to see God work in my world. And I'll tell my wife sometimes, that was an act of God that just happened to me. Because I believe it was, because things worked out so much because I was walking in him and I wanted to do something to glorify or to love somebody and God worked it out to bring things into our paths to make things happen. He's a powerful God and he does not sleep nor does he slumber. He's a powerful God. So don't think because we don't preach the sign gifts that we think God is dead. He is not He can move in your life, but you have to walk in him and he will open doors that you never thought could be opened. I'd love to tell you the story of me meeting my wife, but I bored so many people with it. But it is a miracle of miracles. If you ever have time to sit down with me and my wife, we will tell you the story. It's not just an, oh, we had a blind date. It is a miracle story. The hand of God moved mightily and we became husband and wife. I'm telling you, God is powerful. Don't deny his power, but you have to walk in it. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, with your eyes open, with your prescription lenses on, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation. Don't let 
wine control you. Don't let the pleasures of this world control how you walk. Don't let substances control you. Don't let material things control you. Don't let any person who's not God control you. Walk in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things, even the bad things. How many times people come to me and said, I'm giving up my faith because somebody died or somebody left me or somebody heard me and I just want to shake them and said, what world were you living in? What world did Jesus Christ save you in? It's a dying world. I've said it many times, people get sick and they don't get better. But that doesn't mean that this wasn't told to us beforehand. Our hope is there, it's not here. So I will still have a melody in my heart. I will always give thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll give thanks to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I'll end on this, church. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. If you're living a half-full life, or if you've totally unplugged that refrigerator from the wall, and you're powerless, and your life is empty, and you're no different than an unbeliever, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another evil with evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. You want to be full of the Spirit, don't do any of those things. Instead of doing the bad things on the top part of that, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, in everything give thanks that you have the power to engage the mind of Christ and to love the Lord your God and to love each other. You have that power and that power resides in you. Engage that power today, church, and you will live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you want us to be creatures of love, creatures of forgiveness, of holiness, of grace. Give us that power. Give me that power. Help me, Lord, a sinner who has been born again, who is no longer a sinner but is a child of God, and there's a place in my spirit where you dwell. Lord, help me engage that fully each and every day by taking up my cross, by denying myself and embracing you and walking in the path that you have set before me. I ask that for everyone here. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Go in the blessing of the Holy Spirit, church.